Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Prunam podcast, a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. I am your host Digjay and today I have with me Ashish Dave, CEO at Mire Asset Venture Investments India. Mire is a leading financial services company headquartered in South Korea which manages more than 1.5 billion dollars across multiple funds. Mire's India portfolio includes marquee startups like Ola, Big Basket, Shadowfax, Unacademy, Jupiter among others. Prior to Mire, Ashish was at Kalari Capital, a well-known early stage VC firm in India, and prior to that at Mumbai Angels, one of the prominent angel networks in India, where he was actively involved in sourcing new opportunities and helping existing portfolio companies. In this episode, Ashish talks about his path leading up to venture capital, setting up Mire's India venture arm, due diligence missteps by VCs when optimizing for speed sharing cross learnings from other geographies with portfolio companies evaluating seed versus growth stage startups the constant upskilling and unlearning required in venture capital and more i thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with ashish on all things venture capital and i hope you enjoyed this conversation too so without much ado let's jump in and find out what ashish has to share Ashish, welcome to the VC Prana podcast. Very excited to have you with us today. Thanks a lot for taking out time on a weekend for the VC Prana. Thank you very much, Digjay, for having me here. I'm happy to be here. I've heard a lot about your podcast, and it's a pleasure to be here and you know share whatever I know, uh, my experience with uh, all your listeners. No, absolutely, and it, it's our pleasure. And you know, for our listeners who don't know you yet, uh, maybe we can start with a brief background about yourself and you know your path leading up to Mire. nothing great uh, just an engineer started my first career as a product manager in you know one of the early fintech companies worked on some of the front end trading and back end middle end trading platforms moved to coptev uh, worked with uh, mcx uh, and after that i went to ie for my mba came back to india uh, was exposed to you know what global venture ecosystem is entrepreneurship ecosystem globally is and then i said you know something of that sort is mushrooming in india and you know why not uh, look at this space and that's how i got into mumbai angels which was uh, a very leading angel network in india based out of bombay worked there as an intern for 3 months they were happy with my work and kind enough to offer me a full time role and in 2 years i was leading mumbai angels along with my team members ashpi ankit and um, after that i moved to kalari where i worked there for four years with vani uh, from 2014 to 2018 worked on some of the well known deals that kalari did at that point in time and learned the ropes of uh, early stage investments over there and then moved to mirai that opportunity came by is a very interesting one where i will get a chance to set up the venture practice for mirai in india from scratch so it was some something that attracted like i really found it very interesting very challenging and set up the practice for them and uh, from 2018 to now we have deployed or committed over 350 million dollars in just two years uh, our first year went in fundraising and you know setting up the strategy now we do now we morphed into a multi stage venture investor where we have a small early stage vehicle which is an india focused fund uh we have mid stage funds we have a growth stage fund all this completes mirai's overall investment strategy because we have a huge presence in the public market side where we manage around 95000 crores worth of capital on indian public markets so all of this private investments eventually we feel will go to public markets and you know some of these companies most of these companies will get publicly listed you know with that thesis we are trying to sort of fix the missing piece in the mirai ecosystem in india 
Awesome. That's, that's great background. And, you know, uh, just talking about your professional journey, that's something I want to, you know, dive deeper, uh, you know, later in the podcast. But before that, Mirai just recently, you know, launched their India dedicated fund. And, you know, India is the third country after South Korea and China, uh, for Mirai at least, uh, to do that. Uh, of course, there is a lot of, you know, positivity and talks about growth in the ecosystem. What was Mirai's rationale to set up an India dedicated fund now at this point in time? See, um, I think we saw that, you know, two years of experience of Mirai, um, some of the deals we could not do them purely because uh, the growth fund uh, minimum ticket size would not allow us to come into those opportunities. Uh, second, uh, there is a time lag in terms of, you know, since the time we see a deal to a time we commit a deal. And we see that, you know, that speed needs to be calibrated in such a way that, you know, you can decide things faster. And we thought the best way to do it was setting up a dedicated India focus fund where there is enough autonomy, local level to take these calls, move into some of these opportunities early on. And at the same time, you create a vehicle and segregate the early stage risk from the growth stage risk, right? You know, being asset managers, we understand that, you know, risks have to be bucketed. You know, you, you don't want to mix the early stage risk into the growth stage risk, which is what all funds also do. So we thought that it made more sense to sort of do this. Um, and this is what Mirai's strategy has been in India. We are very patient investors. I think we when we came into India 2007, we set up a small practice of mutual fund with a corpus of small 50 million. And today that is at 15 billion, right? So we, we believe in, you know, land and expand strategy, right? And, you know, this is our first step to land in India, formally show to the market that we are committed investors. We are not fly-by-night operators. We are here for long term. And uh, we are not in hurry. You know, market is not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. And these were some of the rationals that went into setting up uh, an India-focused fund. We will, you know, on that fund, it's not a pure early stage fund, the likes of Paxil, Sequoia, Kalari that will compete with them. But it's more of a, you know, optional vehicle that we have for us to, you know, come up to certain opportunities where we can develop conviction early on and come into those opportunities through that vehicle. So it gives us, you know, an option to be into some good deals uh, early on. Right. So basically to identify the unacademies, the Zomatos that you've already backed, you know, early on through the uh, early stage vehicle? Very much early on. And at the same time, you know, because your decision making is local, right? Uh, you can quickly move and decide. And as these opportunities, you invest in them, you know, your experience will give a lot of confidence and conviction to you to write larger checks a little later. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. And, you know, just double clicking on, on the early stage vehicle or the India dedicated fund that you have set up now, could you talk to us more about, you know, the thesis, the focus sectors, you know, that you're looking at while you invest in these startups at the earlier stages? So focus remains tech and tech startups. And in that, I would say fintech, consumer internet and SaaS, they remain an area of interest for us. Uh, we've not done a SaaS deal yet, but we're looking at a couple of SaaS deals. Fintech, we've done Jai Kisan, we've done Jupiter, we've done uh, Credit B, we've done Raise through fintech. Consumer internet, we've done uh, Coo, and there are a couple of other deals that we're looking at. But tech and tech-enabled companies remain the area of interest for us. Got it. And, you know, talking about the landscape, the investment landscape that we are seeing right now in the startup ecosystem, the pace of deal making is at an all time high. And there is clear competition, you know, even among growth stage institutional funds to get into the good deals. So, you know, as a VC, what adjustments are you making today to, you know, adapt to this current market environment and to get into those competitive deals? Hmm. See, our belief is, yes, you know, one thing that we've done is, you know, we are moving relatively faster than what we would do generally. 
But that said, we are not cutting corners and we are not moving into deals without doing the right amount of diligence. That we continue to do. Because see, when someone plays this game, that doesn't mean I have to play that game too because they are sitting with a different stack. I'm sitting with a different stack, right? Uh, for them, probably a 30, 40, 50 million dollar will be a very small, you know, drop in a bucket or a, probably a rounding off error. But for me, you know, even two, three million dollar investment amount is very important because we play a very different game. We play a very focused India focused game. So we have to make sure that we don't rush into some of the deals. And see, we are at a formative years of our uh, India investment strategy. And some of the investors that were there are in India or have been investing in India for the last 10 years, right? So you can always expect them to have, you know, far more deeper, quicker understanding and, you know, make those bets. We will take time, right? And you don't want to sort of rush into some of these things early on. So we will still take time to do our investments, follow through our diligence. But we have... We've adjusted, you know, tried to cut our processes to a certain level where we can move in some of these opportunities early on. The other thing what we've done is, as I said, you know, we've created these vehicles to sort of take early stage risk and also set up vehicles for growth stage risk. And we probably will, you know, set up multiple other structures, which will try and, you know, fill in our mid-stage to pre-IPO stage kind of uh, gaps also. Apart from that, I don't think we have done any changes to our strategy or whatever. Yes, uh, one thing what we have also done is see most of the investors or most of the founders, they have seen our track record on the public market side and they've seen some of our track record, the recent track record in the short period and most of them, they know me uh, for last uh, 12 years. So, you know, despite competition, I think we do have good faith of the ecosystem and the ecosystem partners where they reach out to us and they want to partner with us, which encourages us to sort of, you know, work in the same direction. So I don't think there is too much of competition that we have to worry. Yes, there are a couple of deals where do we miss out on each other, but that's okay. That's part of life. You can't be in all the good deals, right? You cannot be. You have to be happy with the deals that you are in and uh, just focus on those deals. Absolutely. And, you know, especially in this kind of an environment where there are so many good deals, right? There have been talks about froth, you know, in, in the ecosystem. And we saw that, you know, in 2015, 16, there still will be companies that, you know, might fail and, uh, you know, might turn out not as successful as everyone is betting them to be. Um, but clearly we're seeing that, you know, step up in terms of maturity in the ecosystem. Yeah. And like you rightly said, you know, the, uh, the brand calling of the VC also matters. And that's probably one, uh, you know, strength that Mira has with you, with your experience of, you know, working from uh, angel to seed to, you know, even great growth state startups today. Uh, you know, one aspect I wanted to touch upon and you mentioned, right, you're optimizing for speed, but at the same time, trying to, you know, not cut corners and be diligent about uh, your processes. So, you know, from your experience, uh, could you talk about some, you know, mistakes or missteps rather uh, that you've seen, you know, VC firms make? when they're trying to optimize for speed? So some of the mistakes that they do is, you know, they really go after, you know, they don't do diligence on the founder. Really, the founder diligence is very critical. The founder management is very critical. You are not betting on one person. Sometimes you're betting on a team. So, you know, the diligence has to be done on a team. That's where a good amount of mistakes happen. See, I think investors are okay taking a market risk where the market did not move or, you know, market did favor the founder. But one thing that we all fear is that first we have you backed the wrong guy because there are two things. One, you back the wrong guy. So the company opportunity goes for a toss. And at the same time, you miss out an opportunity of investing into another founder and a team, which is far better, right? So you miss out on that. And secondly, you know, um, you don't meet all the other players while taking a bet. So 
what we do is when we look at an opportunity, we try to meet all the other players formally or informally in some or the other sense, and then pick which is the best team to sort of execute in this space and market. And we take a view and we live with it. And you have to do this thing, see, because, you know, it's unlike uh, secondary markets or public markets. There is no easy entry and exit in this. Once you invest into it, you know, the, the divorces are expensive in this space. You don't know when they'll come through. The liquidity is, it's not a very liquid market. So you have to be very careful, right? That what are you taking on? I think that is one thing where we, everybody should spend a lot of time. And somewhere when you, when you think, you know, or when people start thinking money is easily available, that's where a lot of mistakes also happen. Because money is not easily available. Uh, and this is, by the way, we are talking about, you know, I think angel money is still okay. You know, you bet your own personal money. But when we manage institutional money and we manage money on behalf of someone else, we have to do the necessary checks and, you know, make sure that, you know, people earn it rather than, you know, it's the ease of money that goes into their hands. Um, this period, one more thing that I think that can go wrong is there's a good amount of hope capital that has gone into the ecosystem. What needs to happen is, and with the responsibilities on everyone, is that execution follow-through should happen. Because only then the justification of the valuation that these people have got, it'll make sense. And the great founders will be able to execute uh, despite not learning how did they get from uh, 20 to 50, uh, because that growth fell into their lap. Folks who will not be able to learn that, you know, how did they get this free growth? Uh, it, they'll find it very difficult and challenging to grow from 50 to 100 or 500, right? Because that education of how did they achieve this growth was not there with them. So I think those are the few things that we are still observing and being cautious about. And one thing to keep in mind is not overpaying too much. I think some of the investors are overpaying too much for obvious reasons. I will not say no that we've not we've also overpaid in certain deals. But, you know, there has to be some amount of caution on overpaying because what happens is it creates an unnecessary pressure also on the founder where uh, it may induce, you know, like wrong incentives for them to achieve crazy growth. And, you know, when your company is not geared for that kind of growth, right, it may just harm than doing more good. So, you know, they always say that growth heals everything. That's true, right? You know, but if there is one artery that is ruptured and you're trying to run too fast, you'll bleed too fast and you will die faster. So I think growth heals, but if your processes and your company is not geared for that kind of growth, you will die faster than you would have died. So you have to be careful about these things. I think investment job is not very difficult also, but it's not very simple also. But sticking to basics, you know, is, is very important and needed. No, absolutely agree. And, you know, we're seeing that compression of time between subsequent rounds. Uh, it's shortened. And like you said, you know, if the founders are not able to learn what's fueling that growth, is it just capital or is it organic traction from the market? And a lot of times, like you said, investor also plays an important role in trying to, you know, guide the founders in some ways or to rationalize uh, the kind of targets, you know, that founders should also be looking at, you know, in the short run and in the long run. And the onus is also on the founders, uh, you know, to choose the right investors, you know, to bring on the cap table. And a lot of times, you know, what, what they over-index on is, you know, what's the value add that a given investor will bring on our cap table. And that's, that's something I wanted to, you know, tap on. And, you know, from your perspective, what does value add mean to you, uh, you know, as a venture investor? And what do you think, you know, founders can lean on their investors for support? You know, it's different for seed stage startups and it's different for growth stage startups as well. Mm. Again, you know, this this thing is like, you know, uh, 
uh, we bring value to the table we bring value i think you know value is always perceived someone perceives value someone may not perceive value very subjective whatever i say at the end of it the other person should agree to it or should be able to sort of you know feel that value it's very ephemeral in certain sense um what value investors bring i think you know first of all the network and you know the access that they can open up is the most important one uh second is i won't say sound advice but as a sounding board because they have seen several companies several incidents because what we do is our daily job is to just be on 10 calls where we are meeting 10 different people 10 new ideas being part of a lot of board meetings a lot of these things we've seen several times right which gives you that okay in certain situations this works certain situations this may not work so you don't make rookie mistakes so that's the other thing where the investor says that hey listen don't do this because this is like you know 99% of the time it has failed in our experience so i am asking you as a question that you know why is it that this will succeed you know the 1% chance is there that it can succeed so you explain it to me you know so in that kind it can act as a sounding board yeah they can act as a coach because the way you run a company with a 10 member team and 50 and 100 and 500 is very different and you need a very different mindset you can probably yell and shout at 10 though i don't recommend that but you can't do it when you run a 500 uh, people company right then you people will start leaving you so you know some of them they act as a coach i think these are very core values uh, opening up market uh, access in certain geographies is another value that they can bring i don't think apart from this anything else uh, you know investors can bring there may be some domain specific knowledge that they will bring some will be expert in gtm some will be expert in product some will be expert in lending financial services or whatever based on that they will be able to sort of add value but even if they don't know that thing by themselves what they know is okay uh, if someone tells me that hey, i want to know about this do you know ashish i said i don't know but i know one guy who knows this or one lady who knows this right i can introduce you to that particular person so that's important piece that in you know investor making other meaningful introductions to other investors i think this is the set the support that we can give but if founders are looking for anything more than that then you know the ask should be very specific because in my view very you know i always say this is specific asks will get a specific answer either a yes or a no or help a vague ask or vague help you will get a very vague answer so i think founders need to ask very specifically what they look for and do they really see some value or no and my view i think best founders can figure out things on their own they don't need any any special value add they simply would say listen i need your capital come on board if i need some help i will ask you this is the help that i need if you can help good if not we'll figure it out because they are not going to only ask me they will ask another people as well and as a good investor my view is very simple i know when to help and when to just sit quietly and uh, okay they'll figure it out on their own and if they are finding it difficult probably say if you want to talk we are there we can talk we can help you out but just going there and sitting there and you know asking for too much of data and trying to slice dice data and all the stuff is not some amount of help that a lot of people say that hey we do this kind of help i don't think that is a help that is something a you're distracting or you're taking away his you know execution bandwidth you know to do your lp reporting we try and avoid that so we're fairly i would say not very hands off but not very hands on at the same time then whoever comes i think we tell them very clearly what kind of investors we are you know very valuable perspective and like you said you know the point on uh, investors being a sounding board is very valid and you know coming up with specific asks because end of the day you know the incentives are aligned uh, with investors and founders you know once they are on the cap table so it's you know the onus on the founders to like leverage them the way they think you know they can uh, leverage them best 
and you know you spoke about specific you know expertise that specific uh, different investors can bring and and with mera like being present and investing in multiple geographies you know is also a strength for you and uh, that's something that you could bring especially to growth stage startups you know that are looking to expand and looking to clean on or study you know other geographies so could you share examples you know of of your portfolio startups where you've you know done this shared your cross learnings uh, from other geographies to your portfolio startups so when we invest like you know shadow facts right we had invested in a similar company in south korea and we saw you know what works and we said you know i think last mile is eventually going to be you know it's a very complex piece not all commerce companies or not all logistics companies can solve it and there needs to be a you know dedicated b2b play on the logistics side and the last mile side and mm-hmm. we've seen that play out in south korea we said i don't know why it will be very different in india and you know you're making an infrastructural bet on which everybody will play from zomato swiggy to uber to your big basket to your flipkart mintra to everybody and that's what we did and then you know we we are seeing that you know the companies went really well because everybody is now ordering things at at home um we you know went into big basket seeing what we saw in some you know one of the companies in south korea called market curly and some of the other investments that we made in southeast asia and china we went into big basket with strong asset grocery is a very different play it's very difficult to build the entire value for a grocery lies in the back office because of back back operations uh purely because you're dealing with fresh you're dealing with skus which are perishable regular e-commerce operations are not something that can be easily used for grocery so that's how we we used it and you know we've done credit b which is again an investment uh, in the retail lending space we've seen that play out well in vietnam and uh, indonesia we did a similar bet over here so we do learn from some of the investments that we make in southeast asia and we try and sort of you know see what will happen in india so i would say india is a beast in itself you know it's a very different market you know has its own challenges and opportunities um we learn but we don't anchor ourselves to you know certain biases that happen in certain geographies so it's it's something that i would say we learn but we don't we don't really overlearn too much because that will you know create a overhang for us to take any calls Yeah, no, for sure, and you know those learnings also help the founders. You know, uh, get a perspective. They may or may not implement that, but you know, definitely learnings from the business model, uh, the GTM, or the execution of uh, those founders. You know, in those markets. Uh, you know, moving on, uh, Ashish, I also wanted to talk about you know your experience. Uh, we spoke about this earlier of investing across you know different stages. Uh, you know, of a startup's life cycle. and um, you've seen the angel side you've seen seed you know and you've seen growth extensively as well but the evaluation criteria and you know the metrics that you would look for as a vc you know differs quite a bit uh, in these two stages mm. so you know if you could talk about you know your evaluation framework for these two broad buckets i think uh, venture is a business where you know you're investing into people that doesn't change right but the emphasis on people and the overall market uh, less on numbers is there on the seed side where you know it's very very subjective there's no objective data available for you to do anything right you have to sort of take those risk calls and based on that you know make investment there is nothing diligent no diligence to be done or except you know call the founders references or probably do some blind rep checks on founder meet that particular founder couple of times understand why uh, he or she is building this uh, what are their incentives what are the long term incentives understanding what drives them money drives them fame power what drives them you know understanding that all said and done you know there's nothing wrong if they are chasing that just that you know are you aligned with 
what their ask is and what their objectives and whether you are willing to support that or no uh, and in that process you know is the company creating a product which is serving a certain need which is most important so you spend a good amount of time on that while on the growth side you spend time on not just the founder but the quality of management team that they have built if it is still a founder driven organization with no management team i would still say it's not a good growth bet and i i, I say one way to assess that is uh, early on yes you may not be able to sort of take too much break vacation but if the company grows you should be able to and this is how i assess that the founder should be able to take a you know one month long vacation without being bothered they should not be involved in day to day operations as much like they should be involved in day to day operations but not day to day firefights right they should be involved in strategic thinking vision etc how do i take the company from here to the next phase because you know now it is not a startup and it's morphing into an institution right now you are backing an institution there is enough data uh, that the company has now so you do a good amount of work on the diligence part on the data piece so data and the management the second level management the depth of management quality of management that is what you spend time more on the growth side so there is a lot of work to for you to do diligence on versus early stage and c stage where there isn't too much to do diligence except a small piece of data and you know, there is specific amount of time that you can spend you know you either build conviction or you can't build conviction and you just pass on it but growth you can track you can say okay i want to see some more profitability i want to see some more geographies to be expanded etc and then you will constantly track and then come in the right space right time because large checks have been written so you can't just write it based on gut right i think these are two models that we generally follow when we look at opportunities but uh, product market fit has to be there at growth i i i cannot get into an opportunity where at growth stage you're still your product market fit is not there right you're still iterating you know uh, there has to be a hero product that you have right which is a core which is being sold where people are buying there is revenue that is coming into it or there is probably you know usage of that particular product and you're building something around it ancillary for extra revenues that you can do it you can't be you know you can't be still you know experimenting at growth stage of that's one thing very clear at early stage i think you're experimenting so that's okay right and you know ashish as you were going through that progression in your career right uh, from seed to growth stage were were there specific areas where you had to like unlearn or upskill yourself you know while you were looking at growth stage companies uh, with time well as a investor you have to continuously upskill unlearn learn you have to do that because uh, if you anchor yourself to certain biases you will miss out on opportunities and i'll go back to the 2015 16 when you had uh, swiggy come in okay Mm-hmm. now if you will say that hey listen you know why do i bet on swiggy because there's already food panda over there already a large player there why would you basically come and back someone no right if you if you anchor yourself to that bias then you know you will not be able to you know identify these deals and you know invest into those opportunities i think being open about it is the core job of an investor being open about each and every opportunity is core and constantly changing your views is part of our life and part of our job if you don't do that you're basically you will miss out on several deals and i think that's something that i keep doing it so if i look at a deal and i pass on a deal is it a pass for the rest of my life no so you know even to my team you know when they ask me you know is this pass are we going to relook at it i said pass in our view is that you know it's pass for now it's not pass forever you basically are passing on it because right now you're not able to build conviction and you know uh, if i just keep sitting on it i don't think something will happen tomorrow that you know i will suddenly build conviction for some some event has to happen for me to build conviction now either some new data has to emerge and the data will emerge with time so you pass them for now and uh, 
you learn from the new data that has emerged and you do that so i think that's a that's a process that we all investors follow you know i think regarding other upskilling i think you start tracking other geographies you read about other geographies how those uh, models have played out in other geographies one thing that you keep doing it is keep doing these field visits regularly because as in when you know you are making investments if you're just sitting in your nice fancy cabin and fancy cars and just you know taking calls on what will happen in bharat and uh, you know tweeting about bharat without even you know going to a village and you know speaking to a person then you know that's where you're going wrong so you have to do that you have to go out there talk to the real people you do, you know it is not that you know as a partner or, or as a head of the firm you know you can outsource these things to your analysts and associates you have to keep doing it yourself so you know the title may be whatever a good investor still behaves like an analyst and associate in the, on on each day in my opinion so you have to keep doing this thing because people change their behaviors change and if you are not able to catch the pulse so you're not you you probably going to catch the wave after it has emerged there's no value to be created you you've actually you know the good amount of value is what you've lost right so these are the things i keep doing it i still go for field visits i still keep talking to you know delivery boys who come i still keep talking to people on street go to their shops and say you know kaun sa pos use karte ho fine labs use karte ho innovity use karte ho innovity mein kya hai fine labs mein kya hai you talk about these things you ask them these questions right and they will tell you their experience and you know that will help you or that will give you the added information which will either you know move you from the fence either make a deal or not make a deal yeah no definitely you know very very valuable perspectives there and you know there's nothing uh, better than folding your sleeves and you know getting on the ground to get that feedback yourself uh, and you know trying to then match that data with uh, what the founder is also presenting to you yeah and i mean this answer also touches upon you know the next question that i had uh, you know if you have any advice for emerging fund managers you're seeing a lot of you know first time vcs as well uh, coming up now and starting their own funds so you know anything that you would like to uh, tell them in terms of you know advice suggestions yeah so you know i think people will be in a frenzy that hey you know everybody is doing deals we also need to do deals so first thing you know you don't have to fear about it there will always be a good deal if not now next month next next month next next quarter next year there will always be a good deal waiting for you you just have to be very patient about it okay it may fall onto your lap or you may have to hustle to get to that and you will not know it's a good deal or no after you make an investment you have to wait for a couple of years for it to pan out to be a good deal right so be patient this is not a short term industry you may be seeing and i was also telling this you know on twitter that you know you may be seeing that you know there are some angel investors some investors who have really created good amount of wealth in last 2 to 3 years like oh wow everybody is doing it so i should also be able to do it you know i i won't say that they were lucky but you know don't worry that you know they have seen it in 2 to 3 years the amount of you know significant return so you will also see that you have to be fairly patient because this industry is about all about long term patient investment right second pick up say certain sectors go deep into certain sectors have a view on a sector uh, i can tell you there are certain funds who did really well in the last decade when they picked up the e-commerce sector and certain sectors certain funds did not pick up the e-commerce sector so their last decade fund return was not good because they didn't pick those sectors uh, but now those funds are they picking up e-commerce no e-commerce is somewhere it is played out but now they picking up saas and fintech and you know d2c right so you at least know that you know what are the sectors you're going into and pick those sectors really well don't miss out on those ones you know there was a specific partner i know he like hey you know i would be the edtech partner 
transparently but missed all the tech deals it can't do this right so i think focus on that particular thing learn uh, your sector in and out and be in at least one good deal of that particular sector or at least one promising deal and third is uh, pick up if you have uh, not done an sha ssa sit go through an ssa ssa in detail try and understand what commercials are because once you've done a deal that's okay you only open the ssa ssa when things go down or things go south and things will go south right at that point in time you should not be like i don't know how to negotiate this thing because i've never done an ssa ssa um an excellent investor uh, gp i know will be aware of how commercial rights are and how these rights play out and how these clauses play out so you have a grip and handle on them uh when you know it you will be able to negotiate better right so learn that piece and you know fourth is um, be candid in this industry if you are trying to be you know fake you can be fake for a year you can be fake probably for a two year period but in this industry people are there for next you know i've been there for 10 years i'll be there for the next 10 to 15 20 years people will see through it over a period of time so be very genuine candid and honest it doesn't harm in fact i always say that you know if you are just beating around the bush too much or you're not to the point or not straight forward you're wasting people's time and people don't like their time being wasted so be very honest and candid about it i think that's the only way you will create a and and more importantly you know that's the way to build your reputation also in the industry this industry is all about reputation right always protect your reputation closely right everybody has same us dollars same rupees you know why someone's rupee is better or dollar is better is because of the reputation that they bring on the table right so do do to protect it you know don't screw people over don't you know cut people over uh, you may you may try to cut someone in deal through some whatever means uh, that's okay It's at some point in time that will come to bite you back it may come to bite you back not necessarily but it may come to bite you back so don't don't have those sharp elbows this is a very cooperative industry it's not a competitive industry it's competitive in certain sense but at the same time be open be cooperative i think that's what i would just say to all emerging fund managers no for sure and that's you know definitely sane helpful advice and it comes from you know your experience of seeing the industry over the last 10 years and it's it's how you differentiate yourself as a brand and uh, the value that you're bringing to founders and you know it, it's a long term game it's it's not a short term game so that's something which you know uh, all emerging managers should definitely keep in mind yeah and i i always say this see you are being rewarded or you are being paid for consistently generating return and not being one time lucky you don't have to be a one time wonder you one time wonder is okay good enough you can is there is there anything wrong in that no i don't think there is wrong in that but don't confuse your luck with skill people will pay you for your skill as a fund manager not pay you for luck you've been lucky once what's guarantee that you will be lucky again probably you will be lucky again but you yourself know whether it was luck or skill right so you can fool others but you can't fool yourself so be very clear you know uh, what is luck and what is skill and consistently generating return is a skill for which your lps will pay you so focus on that focus on building it absolutely and it also links back you know to your initial point where uh, you mentioned you know it's it's important to upskill yourself and not anchor too much you know on past uh, wins or past deals uh because you know you never know there's a founder will come up and you know completely thrash your view uh, your thesis of the market yeah and uh, you might just miss on the deal uh, because you're anchored on uh, past glory so you know that's definitely you know very helpful ashish so with that you know before we jump into our final segment uh, which is a rapid fire uh, there's this one question i like to ask you know most of our guests which is 
you know how has being a vc uh, influenced your personality you know uh, and shaped you personally over the years well, it hasn't changed me i think i'm the same uh, if you ask my friends or even the ecosystem folks i'm the same i'm still very quirky i'm not very serious as a person you know i know people think that vcs are serious and if you just go to my twitter i am actually the most non serious person in fact somebody did tell me that listen you know ashish you should be a little bit more serious on twitter <laughs> because yeah. uh, you manage money so you know there is some gravitas to it and i said listen you know what i think there are several other people out there who are giving too much of yarn i would rather be a little funny person over there out there who's trying to be a little humorous because that's how i am right in life um it hasn't changed me it is just me you know it actually one thing that has happened is i've just become a little bit more empathetic purely because we are only putting capital we are not putting and that to not our capital we are putting lp capital we are managing capital on behalf of them day by day i just get a little bit more empathetic towards founders because they are putting in time energy their money sweat blood everything their family their relationships in this journey for them their company is the only thing that they are into and for us investors they are just one of the portfolio companies in our portfolio um you know in the last 12 years the stories that i have heard or seen i think that's the only only good chain that i have had i think you know it should humble you rather than you know feel you are you're sitting with a pile of cash and you know you are going to decide people's future no you don't uh, i think knowing that is something that i would say that i've learned very well said ashish and you know founders are the most critical cog in the entire ecosystem and yeah i mean all investors should definitely you know be mindful of that with that you know ashish uh, we'll jump into our rapid fire round you know i'll i'll shoot some questions and hope to get your honest immediate thoughts on the same sure okay first question uh, one thing that you'd like to change to improve the state of the indian startup ecosystem today i think there has to be a good set of coaches and you know support system that should be available for founders as well as for investors this piece is missing access to quality coaches and mentors is the need because you know if you really you know that's what we've seen in bali that's what we've seen in some of the most established ecosystems that you know there is access to these professional coaches because your journey from 10 to 50 is different and 50 to 500 is different you have to morph into a different you know person to run that company so that is one thing that i would want to sort of add to this ecosystem if you had to give a ted talk uh, what topic would you choose and why i would choose history and theology because they both remain my favorite topics you know in most of the conversations that i have i end up choosing some anecdotes about history something that happened in history something that happened in you know theology and you know try and map it into the current context and situation that's what i love doing it and you know i always say that if i would never be an investor i would be a teacher of history or theology very very interesting vcs and founders from the ecosystem that you admire and look up to so among the vcs i really look up to mohit sandeep shekhar bejul shailendra these are the ones that i really look up to vani of course my personal mentor in terms of founders you know i admire what dipinder has done uh vipul and hari from big basket and sudhakar sahil from delivery to praveen from days uh, he's more like a friend as a founder you know so i think all founders in my opinion are very special and i really admire each one of them but these are some then i do have some founders who i can't name but i silently admire and respect them founders and ctos i just wish good for all of them and uh, they do really well is what i hope and i pray for awesome uh, ashish this has been an amazing conversation 
you know any parting thoughts for current and aspiring founders uh, that are listening to you today say yeah, i i would just say listen you know this is a journey don't forget to have fun right don't get too serious about it do not get too bogged down with challenges because you know things will get hard right you if you just forget to have fun and you are just serious all the time it will do no good at the end of it you know when you're going to earn a lot of money for yourself create wealth for yourself and a lot of people around uh what's the point if you are not able to have fun with it right you're not able to sort of have time good time with your family friends with it so do that um ensure that you create wealth for people around share wealth right because i think you know the more you share i think the more you know gratitude that you develop about uh, you know the sharing wealth it will make you feel better it will give you a sense of satisfaction which is which is not comparable to anything like how much of a billion dollars you have you know you you won't feel happy but you know if you even have millions right it's more than enough for you to have that happiness and at the same time you know people around you are happy and the trust and the faith that they will have in you because you've helped them you know create wealth uh, is unparalleled stay humble and down to earth because you know this is an industry where you have absolute no control on anything so you probably are, you know rising and you know succeeding at each and every step and if arrogance gets an ego goes into your head and you fall people will really really you know come at you so stay humble stay down to earth because if you fall these people will again lift you up right so don't let those things uh, get into your head success is very ephemeral right so that's the only thing that i would say with people and yeah lastly but just don't forget to have fun man this is because otherwise you know you you will burn out very quickly and if you burn out there's no point in this entire journey definitely very helpful ashish you know i have learned a lot from this conversation and so you know i'm sure our listeners will do so as well uh, thanks a lot for taking out time ashish once again and hopefully at some point we'll have the opportunity to you know host you back on the show soon again sure thank you very much it was nice talking to you digjay i really appreciate you know you having me here and thank you to all the listeners who are going to log in thank you again Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the VC Bruno podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let our guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways. We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. This will help others discover the podcast. To get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. You can find all episodes together on our website thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VC preneur that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.